So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. Uh, I'm back in the uh, Kafaru World headquarters because it's the only building in the world, so I get to call it that. Uh, in Wyoming, I just got back from a whitetail hunt a few days ago, and uh, I think I get to be home for a couple weeks, so I figured I'd knock out a few podcasts. And uh, today I have on what well, a really cool dude. I actually met him recently. Uh, I'd heard a lot about him, but uh, that's Darren Christianberry with Elite Archery. Uh, Darren, what's going on? Oh, uh, not much. Just clipping away on this Tuesday and uh, staying plenty busy and glad I get to talk to you today. Yeah, you don't have to lie, but I appreciate it. Um, it, it, it fits. <laughs> you can't get on and say, man, I really didn't want to talk to you because then it just makes the conversation go sideways. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be awkward if I said, man, I really don't have time, but we'll make do. It'd yeah, be awkward. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Darren, you're a professional archer. You've been in the game a long time, a hunter and a pro staff coordinator. You're also the guy on video a ton for, for elite archery. Um, what am I leaving out there? Yeah. Like, tell everybody about yourself. Man, that's really about it. I, I've been playing the archery game since I was a little bitty kid. Um, you know, and grew up around archery before internet. I mean, I was, I was around when dial up became a thing and I could actually surf the web and, and we learned what internet was, but, um, yeah, I had these big visions and these big dreams of seeing my name in lights and becoming a professional archer and getting paid to do it. And, um, long story short, you know, I've won some things along the way and, uh, tried to to build my brand per se, and uh, now I work in the industry and play with bows and arrows every day of my life. So it's a pretty good gig. Yeah, heck yeah. Well, what uh, kind of list off some of your background on the the archery side of things? Um, you know, tournament wise, some of the things you've won, different places you've shot, stuff like that. Oh gosh, I could go back to. Probably the beginning, 1990, I started shooting in 91. Uh, I shot as a kid, but had no idea what archery was. And then for years, my hometown, Spencer, Indiana, there was a uh, archery shop called Parker's Archery. And I'd driven by it a thousand times at indoor range. And I thought, well, who in their right mind? Uh, what's indoor range mean? Do they surely don't shoot bows inside? Uh, I'd driven by it a thousand times and you know, finally stopped in there one day, and that's when my true love of archery started. But that was in 1991. Uh, I was 21 years old, so um, telling my age. But um, I started competing in '94, and uh, felt like I had something. And again, you know, was starving for information because information wasn't easily found. Um, won the Ideal World Championship in MBO Male Bow Hunter Open in 1997. Um, I started shooting the Cabela's tour, um, in 1998 and I won their big finale. I don't even remember what the title of it was, but I shot one qualifier in Dixon, Illinois, so I could shoot their grand finale in 98. And I won it in the, um, amateur open division 98 or 99. I started shooting semi-pro and then I won the IBO triple crown in semi-pro as an amateur uh, 2000 turned pro indoors. 
2002 won Rookie of the Year in ASA. 2003, I won the Triple Crown as a professional in the IBO, PMR. And then 2006 is when I kind of broke loose and felt like I belonged. I, I knew I was competitive, but until I won an individual tournament, I really never felt like this is where I need to be spending my time and money. Um, 2006, I won the Fort Benning ASA. I won the Tennessee ASA, uh, some second and thirds. I won Shooter of the Year. I won the third leg of the Triple Crown at Nelsonville, won the Triple Crown again in 2006, um, won another ASA in 2007, finished third at Vegas. Um, man, just a bunch. From there, uh, 2010, I shot uh, for the World Cup team. Uh, I made the World Cup team, went to Turkey, went to Croatia, uh, went to Australia twice to shoot their 3D nationals and do seminars over there. Um, continued to shoot, fought some target panic there after shooting the fetus stuff. And it kind of really put my archery, my competitive archery career on hold per se. Uh, and I had to find a way to make myself still valuable. So, you know, I started doing videos. I've been doing commentary for competition archery media. Um, obviously I've been working for TOG now for going on 10 years, the outdoor group and elite archery. I do a lot of their technical, um, product videos but since then you know all that was done right-handed in the last couple of years i've switched to left-handed for some physical reasons unknown um and now i'm starting all over and every day i practice every week i get better um going to yankton south dakota next week um you know obviously a full schedule next year with everything but man i'm just in love with archery um was competitive for a lot of years. I still feel like I've got a lot in the tank left to prove to myself and hope there's enough time that I get to prove it to myself, but just a lifelong love and uh, I'm living it out. So big, big fan of the game, big fan of the sport. And I'm really glad to be a part of it. Yeah. I've, uh, uh, it's funny. Um, my, when, you know, we, my wife had only really seen me shoot in the beginning. Um, and, uh, so, I think she just thought I could win anything I ever went to. Locally, I, I I did, but you know, I just had gotten. I was shooting a recurve, and she saw me shoot that. But you know, when I'd shoot a compound, in her mind, you know, it was phenomenal to shoot. You know, softball paper plate at a hundred yards, and I had said, "Man, there's, honey, if I competed today, I said, I you know, I'd be mid pack. Like I'm not one where I once was." And so I got on mm -hmm. YouTube and pulled up Compton Archery Media, Bow Junkie, those things. And, um, you know, you're, you were commentating and, you know, I yeah. said, I, and I didn't, I'd never met you. I just said, yeah, he's been in the game a while. Um, I said, I think he works for elite. And, well, I think maybe Tony Clem had brought you up or Levi at some point, you know, whatever, but you know, through the years, cause I didn't shoot tournaments forever. And so, you know, we get on there and, uh, you kind of have the James Earl, vo uh, James Earl Jones voice going on on there. Um, and I, was, uh, I had made a comment once. I was like, I probably, should, I, I was like, I probably should get a hold of him to do voiceovers for some of my videos because my voice is fucking horrible. Uh, but I was able to show her, uh, you know, kind of what level of accuracy, uh, you know, you can't, you can have with the bow. And then I was trying to explain to her because I went. It'd been twenty years, I think, or more. I went to the classic this year, and I didn't shoot horrible, but I didn't shoot great. My, I didn't want to end up in the bottom 10. I didn't want to embarrass myself, which thank God right. I didn't. Um, 
but I was trying to explain to her uh, the accuracy, like like someone like you has and what you have to have. And I was like, I was in the middle of the 10 all day. The first day, honey, I was scared to shoot. I didn't want to drop any points. I shot real safe. And so she said, I was showing her, I said, look, this two inches, right? Like, uh, I, that's the accuracy difference, you know, showing her like, it's not like somebody that shoots 10 all days bad. They're just not nearly good enough to, yeah, no. to win. You know what? I, I was like, honey, they're at a different mm-hmm. level. Um, so yeah. having said all that, um, with, with, with what being in the game a long time, um, when you have to be that accurate, one of the things that I have found that has benefited me, not just target archery or tournament archery, I just don't do it as much, but hunting as well. I think it was a gift for me not to have the technology in the easy button you have nowadays. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. We didn't have range finders when I was starting, right? That's Right. We didn't have, we didn't have housings. We had a, we had a metal bracket, a little square metal bracket and a a pin you screwed in and out with two nuts on on each side. What do you feel about that? You think you have an advantage learning that way or you think it's better to get hit the easy button now? I think you have a better appreciation for it, you know, for archery, you know, like you said, you know, when, when they came out with the little true glow T fiber optic per se tips on the pins versus a machine pin that you had to dip in paint. I mean, we thought we were living high on the hog when we had something we could see out there. Um, it just, I think the appreciation for not having a range finder and, and learning, you know, not having the technology, not having the information at my fingertips. I, I worked hard to try to absorb the information. I stood in the background and watched all the guys that I had read about on in a magazine article or seen their picture in a magazine. I wanted to stand behind them at an ASA event and see what they did different or see if there was something I could pick up on. And now I think the learning curve to get from center of the 10 ring, like you said, to shooting a ridiculously high score with 12 ring, shooting an up score, I think that learning curve in that time frame is is cut down dramatically because of the easy, easily accessible information, the videos, the information, the 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 gear, the product, the string materials are better, the equipment's better, the technology makes bows easier to tune, the information to utilize that technology is right there at our fingertips. So, you know, you get a guy that starts shooting archery last year. Um, he could be a competitive archer if he works his butt off in a few months where when I started in 1991, I had a long time before I felt like, okay, I can compete now. It was literally years, you know, it took me years to get the confidence I needed to pay the entry fees to compete at a professional level. So I just think I have a better appreciation for the sport overall because of the primitive tech, primitive equipment we used to use versus the high tech, easily accessible information of today. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, when I bring that up, like, uh, as I, as I'm getting older, right. I'm by, by no means, you know, 70 and, and wise by any stretch, but as I'm getting older, have younger, <laughs> you know, younger guys I'm helping out and remember back, you know, for me, it was in 90, mm, mid nineties, right. Where I was going to an indoor range, uh, mid to late nineties. And, 
you know, I remember like five inch Marco veins, XX 70. Well, I couldn't afford those. I was shooting game getters at first and, uh, glue on knocks. Yeah. Didn't know shit. Thunderheads. Yep. All I could afford that box in the yep. foam, the thunder <laughs> things came with six and <laughs> so I'm crooked, you know, and then I, 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 but like, you know, people message me like, Hey, what's the best resource to learn how to use a bow press? And I'm thinking, I know how I lose. You learned, I blew up a bow. That'll help you learn. I mean, I was like, yeah, I just yeah. kind of winged it. But when, when you look at that and then look at today, when you're talking about technology, we it is amazing like i remember shooting command cams no string stop um short riser long limbs some of those risers you shoot a 80 90 pound bow the riser would bend uh to the point you know like yeah it's it's amazing how much has changed not to I, what do you think has been the biggest change in the last we'll, we'll just say 30 years what do you think has been the biggest change or top three not no, discounting the rangefinder that doesn't count anything other than the rangefinder golly that's a that's a tricky question there because i mean everything's changed i mean the the quality of materials the the process of, of building stuff the strings the quality of strings has made i mean you couldn't. I mean, we shot Pearson spoilers and XI. <laughs> oh, gosh, legacy. What was it? Lightning XI Extreme. XI yeah. Extreme. Yeah. 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 I mean, 2013 aluminums with, you know, 80 grain points to get the fastest, you know, three, four, five, six inch overdraws. I mean, the everything has gotten better over the years, but, you know, so much has changed. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could put my finger on it being put on the spot of, of what the biggest change is. I, I guess, man, maybe even back to what I said, just the information, the, the, everything seemed to be a secret for a long time. I mean, if I was a dominant pro archer back in the late nineties, early two thousands, I, I wouldn't want to share my secrets for fear. Someone was going to take my paycheck away. Uh, now there are no secrets. I mean, with YouTube, social media, um, just the access to information, I think, like I said, has changed the learning curve for people. If you want to become, you know, just a bow hunter or a top level profession, professional shooter, the information is there. You just have to put in the work. But I think the, the consistency and quality of the equipment, probably string materials is probably one of the best. You know, when we were shooting those hard hatchet cams from a Martin to a Darton to a Pearson to you name it, if you had on fast flight, it was constant maintenance trying to keep a bow where it would tune. If you could keep it together from blowing up from trying to shoot 80 pounds with 2013s. But I would just think, you know, on a, on a, a short answer, probably just the overall quality of the products to create consistency and repeatability, which is, you know, increase the level of competition, the increase, the level of success for bow hunters, um, you know, the information for tuning, the information for accuracy, the development of broadheads to mechanicals, to aerodynamic stuff, to vein sizes. I mean, there's a million things that I could say contribute to, you know, what's the biggest thing that's changed. I, I just can't put my finger on one, to be honest. So and I, I, adding to kind of to that, one of the reasons I brought that up is back then, um, a 35 to seven inch bow was short. Um when I started yeah, and I had, I had posed this question at one of the seminars I did and several of the people answered short bows. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I would even call that as a good thing uh, for some, you know, when I say that, meaning 
uh, I would I would by far choose better string material than I would a shorter bow. But it's the perception of that short bow. And the only reason I bring that up, there's nothing wrong with a short bow, I, especially if you have a short draw. I mean, if if that fits your your, your hunting style and, and everything else. But man, I shot that verdict. I th- it would you, you know, when I say sleep with my sister, it was just weird. People were like, "You're hunting with a target bow." I'm like. Well, it's obviously not a target bow. I mean, it's working, right? I mean, I, I, I like that longer bow. Mm. And it could be because I'm old school. It could be, you know, how the string angle crosses my face. There's a lot to that. But but when people look at buying a bow, anymore I, I hear different things that, I you know, hand shock, and eh, don't worry about it as much as maybe some put it at a higher level. Now, saying that, if I don't have hand shock in the bow, that's great. But... It's not as, as important to me as maybe aiming, right? Like like that's that's key, right? How how steady am I holding this bow? The other thing is is tuning. Right. How quick does that? Uh, there's bows on the market. I'm not going to bring up names that are notorious for coming out of tune. Staying in tune's yeah. a big one. The ability in the case of the cam system, like 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 Elite has introduced adjusting quarter inch increments and in draw length, and one percent let off uh, or holding weight adjustments without a bow press. That was yep. not even, that was a gleam in its daddy's eye. Like that was not even, that was so unheard of just a few years ago. Um, but but looking at all these different things, like when you get a bow nowadays, keeping that in tune for most uh, people isn't that big of a deal uh, to keep it in, in tune. Back with what you're talking about, you're talking like one or two twists here. I mean, it, it was daily, especially if you're going in heat. Um yeah. So when I look at things like this and, you know, for me, ease of shooting the bow and how well the bow aims, the past parallel, the longer riser, shorter limbs. What do you think? How much did that change things other than everybody had to sell their Apple bow presses? Yeah, I I mean, it it changed the feel and the perception. Probably, you know, one of the features that people consider when they buy a bow because like you said hand shock i hear it and i see it in every single bow review that's a term that's just come to fruition in my opinion in recent years because not one time in my life have i decided to shoot a bow or decide not to shoot a bow because of my perceived hand shock you know or hand shock to me would be noise or vibration i guess and as a target archer, I couldn't care less about how much, uh, how noisy a bow is, or I want some report basically on um, a target setup. I want, you know, the bow maybe firing toward the target or, you know, giving me a little bit of feedback when the release fires. I want to know that that bow went off. The parallel limbs, obviously they're going north and south when the bow fires, and that has reduced the hand shock, vibration, noise dramatically. I mean, it's really changed the game as far as, residual vibrate all those fancy words whatever they are it's really changed the game but it's also taken that report away that i liked and especially you know when i started my career with elite the energy 35 that was 2014 that was the bow that probably put elite archery on the map it was a longer riser more parallel limbs and when that bow fired you were holding you know, nothing at full draw, you know, the, the typical high let off of an elite bow. But then when it fired, it was the, the parallel limb just, just dead. And I just was almost like had a fake follow through when I shot. So, but yeah, the parallel limbs, the, 
I mean, that's a great point. That's something that I didn't think of when you asked me that question. That That's changed people's perception of bows and how they feel and how they shoot, how they sound, um, a lot of different aspects of it. I think that's one thing that's really changed. But again, for me, I'm, I'm a target archer at heart. I do bow hunt and I love it, but it's accuracy above everything for me. The little bit of noise, a little bit of hand shock, couldn't care less. Can I hit behind my pin? Will my broadhead hit that dot at 50 yards when I'm aiming at it? That's all I care about. So I'm glad you answered it the way you did because I didn't want to lead you into it because I'm the same way and I you know, I'm a I don't want to say I'm jaded but I I talk a lot of shit like I I make jokes a lot and <laughs> when uh, when guys go that that I'm trying to help online and I'm like go in and shoot all the bows these are the this is the the bow I think you'll like the best but try these three or two. And uh, they're like, all right, cool. And I'm like, but try the bow. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, don't shoot it at five feet. That doesn't mean shit. Like, no, no, you know, I, I'll yeah. be able to tell whatever. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, you can't tell anything from that, like next to nothing. And I, and I explained to them, yeah. I'm like, look, I have never packed out an animal, walked out of a, you know, uh, whatever, walked out of the wilderness, got out of a tree stand and be like, man, that bow just had too much hand shock. I can tell you, I've said, shit, I missed. <laughs> said that before you know yeah. or man that bow was loud maybe that deer ducked a string or whatever and i'm like look draw cycle yes you know what i mean if it's a little aggressive that's something you can tell at that distance but hand shock means nothing to me at all and when i when me i either. tell people that i'm like man shoot it like and, and they're like well if i don't have a sight audit how well can i tell how i'm moving i'm like man i personally can tell when i draw a bow back sight on it or not if that thing's feeling comfortable to me now, obviously I had, I tweak mine. I'm adjusting let off, you know, micro mm -hmm. draw length adjustments, but it's like focus on accuracy more than worrying about that. And you can't see a sales ad about without hand shock in, and it's just not that important. And so what I've tried to help people understand is that, look, I don't care if it rattled in my hand, if I'm wadding arrows in a golf ball at 50, that's what's important to, you know, to me. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I see it and I see other subjects stem off of that, you know, and here's what I'm getting at. I've, I've had people message me. I've seen it on different forums. I've seen it messaged us. I've had dealers, you know, field this question. People will say, man, I've got XYZ bow, whatever bow it is, I'm shooting better than I've ever shot in my life. The bow just pounds, but I got cam lean. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, what? You know? And it, yeah, it's just one of those things that's irrelevant to me. And aesthetically, yeah, man, I don't like to see my cam leaning like that. But the end result, if I put my pin on whatever I want to hit, whether it be at 20 yards or 120 yards, and those arrows wad up and fly like darts, I couldn't care less about cam lean. I couldn't care less about hand shock. I really couldn't care less about some noise. Um, and I'll do everything I can to quiet a bow down if I'm going to the whitetail woods. But um, there's just things out there that are discussed more and more today that, like you said, they're totally irrelevant to me. Now, maybe I'm missing the boat. Maybe whoever's listening thinks I'm crazy. That's just me and my opinion. Hand shock means nothing. Accuracy above everything else. Yeah, and so when you talk about like that, uh, this bow just pounds. One of the things I'd get be interested to get your feedback on this is when I've talked to different guys about this, there's going to be a common denom denominator 
for a lot of people that they're not paying attention to on that. Meaning one year they buy a 33 inch bow, the next the 35, one's a certain brace height, a grip, whatever. Um, that string angle crossing someone's face. There's going to be a comfort range, which you may not even know the distance of the peep to the eyeball, um, you know, w- whatever it may be that helped that bow pound for you. It, you may not have known it, especially right. if you're not really in a, an in-depth, like a techie, you know, shooter. You're just, there's that man, I wish I would have never got rid of that bow. I bought the newer model. I'm like, well, Jesus Christ, the newer model is two inch shorter than the older one or two inch longer. Like <laughs> you just went from a Ferrari yeah. to a, whatever, you know, whatever you want to talk, you know, however you want to parallel it. But when, when people are going to look at a bow, I always try to let them, you know, understand like, Hey, you, you're going to pay the piper somewhere. And if you get a yeah. longer bow, you're going to pay the piper on, on weight and potentially maneuverability, but I've been shooting a 62 inch long recurve. So that's kind of out the window for me, but like you're going to, you're going to have a heavier bow is the potential added accuracy worth a little bit longer axle to axle bow. You get more reflex in the riser um, or or a harder cam. You're going to have more speed, might lose a little accuracy. What's more important to you? Well, I don't shoot out past 40 yards. Okay. And I got a 26 inch draw length. Yep, you may want to get a fast bow. Man, I like to reach out and touch yep. something. Yeah, you may want to cater to a longer, potentially longer axle to axle bow. Or um, in in my case, I don't like super high let off. There's a few, what Slosher, I think he doesn't, he shoot like 90% <laughs> some crazy let off, a little bit unique, but I like a little bit lower let off. Well, I can't hold the bow back as long. Well, let me think, the last 100 animals I shot, one of them, I had to bow, hold the bow back for 30 seconds. But the other 99, I had some of those are real technical shots. So really breaking that down um, to what's most important to you and, and getting away a little bit from some of this sales pitch stuff. I I, I feel um, as I'm saying all that, how full of shit do you think I am? Or do you agree with some of that stuff? What are your thoughts on it? No, I agree with almost everything you said there. And, and, and I think – the geometries, the marketing, the the speeds, the the whatever from whatever bow manufacturer, that's all in play. Obviously, we want to sell more bows, but the 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 point I want to make, I guess, is when a person purchases this bow and the hand shock, the accuracy, the bow that just pounds, everything we've discussed, we want them shooting their bow, having a great experience gaining that confidence in practice you know that's that's where the true test of the bow is is the time you spend behind that bow because unless they're an aaron snyder or a levi morgan or uh whoever you want to name that kills you know a dozen animals in a weekend if you're like me my heart gets to racing when i feel like okay man here he comes and i get stood up and i get ready to get to full draw on a whitetail or a turkey or whatever hand shock and all that other crap. I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm not thinking about anything other than getting an arrow in that animal to make a lethal shot. And I have, uh, it's, I'm completely oblivious to all the stuff that sold me on that bow. You know, I want to learn to be 
confident. I want to learn to be accurate. I want to learn to be consistent. I want to learn to be comfortable. That way, when the moment of truth hits and I get completely retarded and have no idea what's going on other than I need to get an arrow in this animal, I want to be able to do it with as much confidence as I can put forth because I've had that experience through my practice. And if I buy this speed bow and I'm shooting softball size groups at 20 or spare tire size groups at 40, I'm not going to be very confident when I hit the tree stand or hit the woods or go out west or whatever. But if I have a great experience and this bow just pounds, it really eliminates a lot of problems and a lot of lack of confidence when the moment of truth comes for me. I guess that's the best way I can explain it. I want to have a great experience through all my practice sessions. I want to have a great experience in accuracy. I want to have a great confidence level when it's time for me to get to the woods or get to the stand, knowing that I'm capable of doing what I need to do. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, with what, uh, Darren said is, is, you know, I probably confuse it or complicated it a little bit more that when, when, when someone is setting up a bow, um, whether that be, and since you and I are shooting a shit, I'm kind of forgetting you work for elite an Omnia or a <laughs> verdict or you know, whatever, one, one of the bows that's, that's uh-huh. in their line. When that person, when you go to get that bow, I see guys that that there's certain things that are are any more blasphemy to a certain degree. Um, hey man, uh, my, I'm tearing knock left, and uh, you know I, I can't I can't cut my arrow down. Yeah, whatever. I'm like, well, did you did you take a crank off the limb? That never is coming. People don't think about that, and I'm like. Now I need all the speed I can get. And I'm like, yeah, that three feet per second is, is, is just devastating. I'm like, I know you're, it's going to, it's going to, I'm like, I think I'd rather have an arrow that flies better. And this is where I talk, I talk a lot of shit, right? I'm like, look, man, I'm just saying that's also some troubleshooting, you know, uh, you, you, you take that crank off and all of a sudden that tear's gone or it gets better. You know, your arrow's weak, um, you know, qu- quick way to check it, but it's also holding weight. I'm really a big proponent of a specific holding weight will sing to a specific person. And, and, and most, yep. most, most guys grab, get their bow, and that's when they, they buy it from a pro shop. And it's not the pro shops necessarily their job to, to do this. You know, you want to kind of master of the sport or the, or the art. Um, I, I, one of the reasons that sold me on shooting the elite was that let off uh, that, that, that cam system. Yeah. And, when I say that, yeah. I do a lot of like 80 yard, 100, 120 yard groups, and I will bump up the let off a little bit and bump it down to where I'm, I'm I've got the the, the holding weight uh, as well as the stabilization stabilization weight, even on a hunting bow, that's optimal that puts me as, as at the pinnacle of where I can shoot. Um, man, most pro shops, and this isn't their fault, they sell a bow as they should. They get them to shoot bullet holes. They walk out the door. You may not be an 85% let off guy. You may not be a 90% off guy or 75 let off guy. <clears throat> Would you, I'm a big, that's a big shtick for me. That's something that I really push on people is adjust that to figure out where you're, where you're at, where, you, where you're best at. That is huge for target archers. Dive into that a little bit. Yeah, it's, um, Man, I think, and, and you, you you set the stage there perfectly. You know, the pro shop does their job. Um, we never want to circumvent our dealers. You know, when I'm talking elite archery, Darren Christenberry, I, I, we don't ever want to circumvent our dealers. But 
our new technology, our cam systems, our micro adjust mods, we've given the archer, the bow hunter, whoever that might be, we've given them the ability to go home, trust your dealer, let your bow guy set your bow up, tie your peep in, whatever he's got to do, you know, get you tuned through paper, man, you're ready to go, go home, sighted in, check everything, you're ready to go. We've given given them the ability to, with just literally a set of Allen wrenches, be able to take a master class at home on learning your equipment with with no fear of screwing it up. I mean, you literally cannot mess it up. Um, if you want to try some more holding weight, and if maybe you don't understand what it will do to help you, you know, high let off, low holding weight is going to allow you to stand there at full draw on an animal for as long as you can physically hold it back. If you shoot higher holding weight, that bow starts tugging on you more. You're probably not going to be able to hold it as full draw as long as steady. Um, but if you're a target archer and you're shooting a tension style release, if you, you know, you shoot a good surprise shot, you don't want to get on your trigger uh, and fear of it firing too quick. So you may want to shoot a heavier trigger. Well, to shoot a heavier trigger, you really need more holding weight to do it. Or if you're shooting a hinge style release, you need some more holding weight to create that resistance to actually work through the travel of a tension release. Um, having that adjustability is amazing because you don't know. If you don't know, you just don't know. And most guys go home from a pro shop thinking, okay, I cannot touch my setup. My bow shop guy, my bow mechanic says I'm good to go. We shot a bullet hole through paper. I'm scared to death to touch anything because I don't want to screw up my tune. You literally, you may change your tune a little bit, but you may surprise yourself on how much better it might make it. A little more holding weight may take your group from two inches at 20 down to a half an inch at 20. It may make your broadhead flight just a little bit better. It may make your groups at 40 or 50 yards to where, hey, I'll never take that shot to where, hey, I'm, I'm going to shoot the eyes out of this thing at 40 or 50. So having that flexibility of draw length adjustment and specifically holding weight, you know, may dictate what type of release you want. Maybe it gives you the option to shoot more releases now. I feel like we've given the average bow hunter a chance to really explore and experiment to make himself better to gain that confidence that we talked about earlier. A hundred percent. And one thing I want to add, because I definitely have a lot of pro shops that get pissed off at me because I, I talk about a lot of these things and I need to caveat this, I guess. Your pro shop can only do so much and there's only so much you can ask of your pro shop before you start dropping some big tips. And when I say that, meaning to the Correct. <laughs> when because, uh, you know, when you go to a pro shop, it, it's not their job to give you a thesis on archery. Right. They, they can't. They they they. There's an amount of margin or markup, which is, 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 you know, keeping the lights on or whatever for that bow and the sight. They got to get you, they want, you know, you want to get a bullet hole. You can't have them cutting quarter inch sections of arrow off your arrow till it's a perfect tune <laughs> or what the shit that I do to tune. You can't ask your pro shop to do that. No, you can ask them and they're going to charge you. Expect to pay. Same thing. You can't really ask your tech to start adjusting 1% increments for you to try it out to get to your happy place. That's not really their yeah. job. Now, they'll show you or they, they'll show you how the cam works or whatever, but don't expect your pro shop to do that shit. It's not fair of them. I mean, you go to a mechanic to get your oil changed. Do you expect the car washed as well? 
what's well, part of the car. Yeah. Uh, you can't do that. I mean, they'll, you, they'll, they might. You got to pay them, right? So uh, have realistic expectations for pro shops. I just want to add that in there because I've had pro shops get a hold of me like, dude, you're killing me. I'm like, man, I didn't. I'll start adding some extra <laughs> verbiage when I talk about this yeah. because – you don't want, you know, a tech spending eight hours because all of a sudden one day you listen to me and Darren talk about let off. Figure that out on your own and, and you know, whatever. So <laughs> above me on that, like when you talk about let off, also draw length. Um, one of the coolest things, again, not to pump the tires of this cam system so much, but some some bows, especially in years past, you got to change out the whole cam. You need a press. You know, you got to talk to like three PhDs to understand to operate the cam like – with this cam, you can do quarter-inch draw length adjustments. And mm-hmm. if, if for me, there's a certain length of D-loop I don't like to go under, causes more knock, pinch, you know, whatever oscillation in the string, whatever you want to call it. Um, and sometimes a quarter-inch is a huge deal. Maybe you're just a little past or just a little bunched up. If we didn't – that was a pain dealing with that years ago. With the cam system we're talking about on the Omen and uh, the Verdict and some other of the bows I can't talk about, the they uh, I I did get in trouble for that, but we can't talk about that either on the podcast. Um, the <laughs> the uh, uh, if if you feel like you're reaching, like you're f- past full uh, extension or expansion, or maybe at longer shots, it really feels like you're creeping out of the bottom of the peep. Um, you're hitting low at times. A lot of those can be minor draw length adjustments. Some of it's stabilization weight or holding weight can can do that. That cam offers all of those things. Yeah, it's it's. I've been able to really utilize our equipment more now. I mentioned earlier that I switched from a lifelong right-handed archer to a left-handed archer uh, June of 2021. I guess you might, yeah, it's been just over a year and a half since I switched. And I'm hypercritical or hypersensitive to everything. And our bodies change. I mean, my body's different now at 52 than it was at 42. Um and we change week to week, month to month. I think you change day to day when you go out and draw your bow for the first time and you hear your elbows start cracking until you get your muscles loose. I mean, your body changes. And for me switching hands, I, I look at myself, I'm shooting a longer draw length than I've ever shot. And I still don't know if it's right even after a year and a half, but the, I have the luxury of, you know, micro tuning, you know, moving my stop out one position and then you know lengthening or shortening my draw by a quarter of an inch and then i can measure everything okay i went from 12 pounds of holding weight to 14 pounds of holding weight and i find that you know six eight ten shots into it i crept the back wall so i'm not strong enough to really hold it back right now i mean i've got the ability to play with all these different features to find out where i'm my best at and you know, even last night I shot out my, I got an indoor range here at home and I was out there till after 10 o'clock last night. And the only reason I'm out there now is because I'm seeing progress every day. These small adjustments that I'm making, these small adjustments that I'm able to make with a set of Allen wrenches without a bow press right there on the line while I'm shooting, I'm seeing progress. And when I'm seeing good things happen, I don't want to quit. So I just continue to shoot. And if I'm struggling with something, that's when I walk away from it. If things aren't going well, or I've hit a wall and I can't hit behind the pin, 
I don't stand out there and try to look for a problem that doesn't really exist. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe, maybe I've missed something in my setup, but having the luxury of all these fine, adjustable, minute adjustments is just, man, it's priceless to me. It really is. And like I said, we don't ever want to circumvent the dealer, but we've put this plethora of tools and adjustability in front of every one of our customers. And if they're not utilizing what they have in front of them for what they spent their good money on, man, I, I encourage them to try. I encourage them to play. Even though you may be shooting your best right now, you may be able to shoot even better. I think a lot of people can surprise can surprise themselves if they really get a bow set up correctly and perfectly, take notes, collect the data, find out what holding weight works well for you, find out what axle to axle, what D-loop length, you name it. All those things you can jot down, that's data you can collect. And you'll find a combination where you see very, very good results and have great success success with. Okay, a, a kind of an example of that, I was just down on the Texas-Oklahoma border and I had brought uh, a few uh, bows down. And um, well, I had two set up uh, identical uh, two verdicts, except the holding weight. And uh, a buddy of mine, Ryan Barnwell, he was down there hunting with me. He shoots a recurve and he runs a pro shop uh, down in Texas and very good shooter. Well, um, the, the green meanie, I had one green and one tan. So that the tan, higher let off, <laughs> uh, the green, lower let off, same draw length adjustment or whatever. And with him, Barnwell's about the size of my left leg. He's not as beefy as I am. So he would start to shake with that lower let off I had on the green bow. I personally shoot the green bow better. Now, am I going to be able to, if I had a contest, hold it back as long as the other? Probably not. Um, but he uh, was kind of like pissed on this recurve. I'm taking one of your compounds. So he took my tan bow into the tree stand and crown blind with him. Uh, but that was literally. That was a little under 5% let off difference between the two. One bow, he was pounding the other bow. And that, that seven, eight, nine second frame of releasing, he would start to shake at the end of it because that was a, a let off he wasn't comfortable with. Um, and, and poundage, obviously. Yeah. That's 4%. That doesn't sound like that much. One, two, three, four percent. Those are big differences, whether it's to the good or the bad. One way or the other, one of them is going to be better. And then stabilization weight is another one to add to that that holding weight. Um, you'll see, you'll hear stories. I think, uh, well, Kyle Douglas, he's kind of a commander of the shot. He's got I've heard thirty two, twenty six, something crazy amount of ounces up front on his his bow. Um, yeah, I think. Um, good lord, uh, what is uh Good Lord, the guy, uh, man, I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't believe I've had him on the podcast. Uh, the, the, the Levi's competition for the most part. Um, help me out here. Justin Hanna? No, not his buddy, his competition. No, no. <laughs> Justin was just hunting with me. Dan, Dan, Dan McCarthy. Dan McCarthy? I've heard, what does he have? 27 pound holding weight? Something cr I've heard crazy. 23? He's, yeah, yeah. He's 20. He's in the 20s. Yeah, it's, it's like. There's a lot of guys. Tate Morgan, uh, Tate's from up there in um, Billings Superior. Is that Superior Archery in Billings, Montana? His dad Rob owns a shop up there. Tate's a great archer. He's a 21, 22, 23 pound holding weight guy. And I mean, these guys shoot these bows. I can't. I can't. That's not for me. And I guess that's the the great thing about having adjustability. You know, if you have 
one specific cam, one specific mod, one specific feel, and that's all you get, you may hate your bow. You may absolutely hate it, but you have something where you have some adjustments that you can explore without screwing things up. That's, that's kind of me. Cause I don't know, especially me now, I don't know what's best for me because everything I try is new. So having that adjustability, man, to me is a lifesaver, but yeah, I'm not a high holding. I'm about a 14 pound kind of guy. I seem like I shoot my best with about 14 pounds of holding weight, but that 20 plus whoo, that is not for me. So, and, and to explain this, if I'm shooting 70 pounds with 70% let off, I'm holding three pounds for every 10. So I'm holding 21 pounds, right? So if, um, if I'm shooting 70, you know, I, I'm more with Darren, I, I'm in that uh, 14 to 16, uh, range that's hunting bow and target. I, I don't mind it. And so, you know, I don't, um, I, I don't have that blue, I don't have that number that I'm going to stick with 100%. But that's where I'm going to start with. And I'm going to bump it up a hair and down a mm-hmm. hair, specifically with this can system. And, uh, man, I just, you know, although I'm trying to cut down the screwball consumption, I just pour a little group tightener and sit there in my garage, and I got a 120-yard <laughs> range. And I, I just sit there and pound arrows at 80 to 100, and I'll shoot a group for 20, 30 minutes. Um, and, and, and I track that group. And that may be at 14 pound holding weight. I'll bump it up to 15 or 16. I may screw with the stabilization weight or the stabilizer weight a little bit, but I'm going to track those groups. Once I know like, okay, this seemed to be the best. The next day I'm going to come back out and confirm. Yep. I'm holding that. That's, that's my honey hole right there. You have that ability nowadays and I'll, I'll quit beating a dead horse to death. That's just something that I, I wish I would have had for the last 20 years. Cause that is huge for me to be able to have that micro adjustment and let off. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, to, I guess to summarize it all, it's the, these features are there to benefit the archer, you know, or benefit the bow hunter and utilize those features. You know, you're not in a box now, you're not trapped to, you know, just the specific bow you walked out of the shop with. That's not what you have to continue to shoot. And if you don't know, you don't know, um, you know, two more pounds of holding weight may make a big difference. A quarter inch longer draw may mean the world. You know, it just, there's a lot of things there that I think people don't explore that they should explore because they may have not unleashed their best, best version of themselves yet. And, uh, having, micro adjustable equipment or equipment that have the features of adjustments like that nowadays, I think people need to utilize and really, really play with, collect that data and try to find the best version of themselves. Well, let's, let's rewind where you talked about the pro shops. I can tell you it's a huge benefit for the pro shops because as a guy who's worked in one, you know how freaking irritating it is to have to go press a bow to, to change the draw length. Um, or shim the cam. And when you can throw a set of Allen wrenches in your pocket and go up to the line while the guy's getting dialed in and not even go back to the bow press, that's a huge benefit to pro shops. Um, You know, maybe not to let off as much. That might not... Well, if a guy comes in, he's a big yoked out dude, and he's like... Yeah, man, I like lower holding. Uh, I like I like high holding weight or whatever. Yeah, I might might go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt if he looks like I can pop my head off and go ahead and adjust the the, the holding weight down to seventy five or eighty. <laughs> but uh, I think um, uh, I think the uh, the the idea behind that is 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 it's beneficial to everyone. But anyway, get getting off that subject a little bit with you, um, you know, kind of um, oh. 
with, with, with director of the, the, in the position you're in now, pro staff coordinator, you do a lot of the videos and everything else with the bows that are out now, like the, 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 the new elite bows, what do you see? What's your prediction? Mm -hmm. What's going to be the biggest seller? What do you, what do you, what, what, if you were going to, I'm betting my, my brand new truck on this, what do you think is going to take over the market this year? From our bow brand? Yeah. I would I would say now the verdict we launched in August at the ASA Classic and we got a lot of traction. Obviously, you're hunting with it. Nick Cappers just won gold in Chile with it. Jason Tabanski just won gold in Chile with it. Um, I think our team's going to do really well on the tournament circuit this year, indoors and outdoors, with the verdict. The Omnia. The Omnia is. That caters to 90% of our business. I mean, we sell hunting bows. Hunting bows and hunting gear is what pays our bills. It truly is. Um, I think the Omni is going to be huge. The rumors are out there. There's been some stuff leaked. As you know, we got a carbon bow coming. The carbon bow, and you can probably speak way more intelligently on carbon stuff than I can because I just don't have any experience with one. I live in the Midwest. I'm from Indiana. I hunt out of a tree stand. My farthest shots are 40 or 50 yards. I'm not packing. I don't have a need for a carbon bow, but I think we bring an offering this year to a customer base that we've never had before. I think from top to bottom, we've got one of the most complete lineups a person could want from the ember being available in right hand, left-handed now to the basin, to the terrain, which is a hybrid cam bow, uh, to the envision, to the Omnia, to, you know, a carbon bow to our, I mean, we've got a very good lineup. I think the Omnia is going to be our biggest needle mover, but I think the release of this carbon bow is going to open a lot of eyes and potentially give us a whole new customer base as well. Yeah. And we can release this after it's released. Uh, so I don't get in trouble again. Uh, kind of the joke with that is there was a miscommunication, um, uh, on, on my part as well, as far as, uh, releasing a giveaway video, uh, for the era and, uh, it was only up for about 20 minutes, but it stirred up a fairly large shitstorm. Um, and, uh, I was asked to delete it, which, uh, I don't know if you ever see those videos on like, you know, that pop up the reels and it'll be like, and that's where Darren realized he fucked up. I had that yep. moment yep. after I had released <laughs> that video where Aaron realized he <laughs> fucked up. Um, but that carbon bow, and I can, like I said, I can release this podcast afterwards. Um, that carbon bow is 31 and a quarter, seven and a quarter brace height, uh, three thirty and change speed, uh, 3.9 and change pounds and checks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. Um, Will the backcountry hunter like that? A lot of them will, saving some weight. Um, it makes it yeah. um, you are able in stabilization weight. If you want to load it up some, um, you know, I know a lot of guys that will load it up for certain hunts. They'll drop stabilization weight off the bow uh, or bow weight or mass weight, whatever you want to call it. Uh, check their tune, make sure everything's good. Generally, a sight tape's not needed to change, but obviously, or to say generally, sight tape's not needed to change. May need to bump something here and there, but drop some stabilization weight off. Now it's a backpack hunting bow for them. Um, you know, a lot of people, I, I I use grip tape. I use vet wrap for my grip. I don't worry about holding the riser, but it, it, it is a, a, a thing for people that it is in cold weather, not cold, right? It's not cold like an aluminum riser. Um, I 
don't really get wrapped up in the cold thing. I just wrap shit around my grip and it kind of solves that problem. But that is a big thing for some people. Um, yep. It's also a decent price uh, when it comes to carbon bows. I think it is the actual cheapest carbon bow on the market, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, MSRP sixteen ninety nine. So, you know, we're coming in a couple hundred dollars under uh, everybody else. And, you know, just to speak on specifics about, you know, the carbon bow customer weight, I would assume, is the number one attraction to a carbon bow. They want a lighter bow. Um, like you say, you 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 got to pay. You, you if you if you're gaining something, you're giving up something. Typically, if you're going for lighter, you're getting more hand shock, more vibration, more noise. Um, our first iteration of a carbon bow seems to be a hit with everybody. I mean, it's light. It's got the exact same cam system on it as the Omnia. Obviously, the riser design's a little straighter, has less reflex than what the Omnia does. So it's got a seven and a quarter inch brace height, which shooter friendly. I mean, it's not going to be as critical at 336 foot a second as a, a six inch brace height bow. So a shooter friendly bow that's lighter, it's quiet. It's dead in the hand. I mean, again, I'm not an expert on carbon, but for the feedback we've been getting from the dealers, the feedback I've been hearing from our sales reps, from our guys in the field that are hunting with this bow, they say we've knocked it out of the park. So I'm really anxious to see the perception of the public, the perception of our customers, uh, the perception of the dealers and people come in their shops and shoot these bows. I'm excited to see what kind of uh, reception we get from it, you know, what the response is, you know, is it better than we expected? Is it worse than we expected? Or, you know, is it right on par with what we think we've got? And I think we've got a really cool bow. No, it is cool. And you know, on, on my end, I'm not a carbon bow guy. When I say that, um, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't go buy one. Like everybody's got, uh, you know, if everybody drove a blue car, it'd be a pretty fucking boring world, right? So what, what when I say that, <laughs> there's always going to be a best carbon bow. Like it, it, when you guide or you're an outfitter or whatever, and a group of people come into hunting camp, a pretty good spiel to tell them out of the gate is, hey, fellas, somebody's going to shoot the biggest animal and somebody's going to shoot the smallest animal. And I can't really do shit about that. Just do your best, have yep. fun hunt your ass off. You're going to be fine. Well, there's going to be a best carbon bow on the market. Now that's obviously some people like brat brunettes and blondes or whatever, but it's going to be hard to beat mm -hmm. this one because, well, that, because I've shot them all too. Um, you, you've got a fairly smooth draw cycle with infinite, basically adjustability in the cams. You got good speed and yep. insane brace height. And if you need to load the bow up with weight, you can, right? I mean, you always can add mass weight to mm -hmm. a bow. Super simple. Um, you guys offer like, there's a sidekick bracket. That's what I'm using. Um, it's kind of, it's just yep. a, 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 an elite friendly uh, offset or, or kicker bracket for your back bar. Um, and it, it amounts very well into the riser of the elite bows. Um, the, you, you can use that and you can load that bow up with weight. And if you're worried about total bow weight, if I had, you know, I say that meaning if I had to compare a verdict to a era or Omnia, uh, you know, cause the Omnia is not much longer than the era and I'm going to, they're going right. to say, what's the difference in accuracy? Is there a percentage? Well, I can narrow it down pretty freaking close. Cause I sit there and shoot out of my garage all the time at a hundred yards at a hundred yards, unless I'm having an internet group day, which happens. 
But generally, <laughs> right, like I'm going off of average here. Generally, if I shoot, let's say, f- five arrows with the verdict – Almost every time, five are going to be in that 10 ring or just outside of it. I'm always in the eight. Now, occasionally, I'll wing one out of there. But that's at 100 yards, and that's on my outdad target. With uh, the era, I can, if I load it up with weight, I'm not too far away from the from the verdict. We're talking 10 to 7, 7 to 10% in accuracy. Um, when I say that, meaning if you add 7 to 10% circumference of a group, that's not that hard to document. But I'm also dropping yeah. three pounds of mass, well, three and change of mass weight off the bow. And so that just goes to what's more important to people. There's a lot of guys who are like, there's no way in hell I'm shooting anything past 50. All right. Well, I would really shoot a verdict then. That's for damn sure. You probably don't need to shoot a verdict. But you also <laughs> have to, you know, look at what's most important to you. And and I think that 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 era is going to win over with all the carbon bows if that's the, the bow you're looking at because of what it offers. Yeah, I I think, you know, and not to I won't name names, but you know, we've got a guy that works at our factory that's he's a professional archer. Um well I can say it is Tommy Gomez. Tommy Tommy runs our production at the elite facility at TOG up in Rochester, New York. Um Tommy's more focused on his career than he probably is target archery these days. I don't know if we'll see him much out on the tournament trail for twenty twenty three, but He's shooting the carbon bow and he doesn't say a lot. Tommy's a man, a few words. And when he tells you it's an awesome bow and it's the bow of choice for him, he said, if I shoot a tournament, this is the bow I'm going to shoot. That speaks volumes to me. Cause like I said, Tommy just doesn't have a lot to say about a lot of things, but when he volunteers information about something, it's legit. So it, uh, I'm excited about it. Like I said, this is something new for us. Uh, we have potential to really touch a customer base. We have an offering that we've never offered before. So, uh, again, you know, we're always fighting and clawing for market share. Um, you know, we're trying to break into be one of the top three boat companies out there. Does the carbon bow do it for us? I don't know. Uh, does it help? I think, I think it's one more rung up the ladder for us. Yeah. I think we're climbing to the top. So I'm, I think it's a good thing. I, like I said, I'm unfortunately lefty. I haven't got to test one and see what I can do with one or shoot it a lot or put it through a lot of paces, but I think it's a really, really cool bow that gives people another buying option when they go to see their local retailer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, man, we're working on an hour here. We could probably talk all day, but I don't want to keep you away from probably real work. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say that, that, um, uh, I think I just sent you a, a photo. I was laughing um, uh, of a giant black bear I shot with an elite a few years ago. Um, I, it about looks like a, a grizzly. Um, I think that uh, you look so young. Mm, don't say no. I'm just kidding. I was. That was probably mm, <laughs> eight nine years ago, uh, probably, and uh, maybe a little. Is- that's is that a, an energy 35? 35. Yeah. When you said that a minute ago, I was like, oh, I shot something with that bow. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's cool. 
but yeah, so I, 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 uh, I, I have shot elites off and on that. That was a very good bow. That was one of those bows. When you talk about if something walked around me, it was probably going to die. Like I just did not miss with that bow. Um, you know, had yeah. good luck with it, but I, th- I think, you know, obviously starting to shoot, you know, I do bow testing every year and everything else screwing around with some of the, the, the elites I hadn't ever messed with the newer versions. Um, you, you guys offer, I mean, you're part of the outdoor group, but you have CBE sites, Scott, um, you have a bunch of different stabilizers that you guys, you know, offer bow cases, all kinds of stuff. And I, I, you know, I, I, I haven't, uh, screwed around with everything. I shot a Scott Longhorn when Christ was a kid. I shot that thing when it first came out. Um, <laughs> and then yep. I shot a Longhorn Hunter for a while. And uh, CBE back in the day, I'm talking probably 2002, three, four, um, when they really came on, like that was like one of the sites to have as a tournament site back then. I, I remember that square block um, getting that thing kind of dialed yep. in. And uh, that was when I first started shooting tournaments really heavy. Um, so I kind of had a couple flashbacks when you sent me that site and I was screwing around with it. I'm like, yeah, I haven't used one of these in a while. This was the shit back in the day. Yeah. Joe and Sandy Mizano from, uh, I believe it was Massachusetts. I probably have their business card here somewhere. They were the owners, creators of custom bow equipment and then the outdoor group, uh, acquired that company. And, you know, like you said, I started shooting CBE in 2007 and was shooting CBE, during the acquisition, you know, obviously here we are 15, 16 years later and I'm still shooting custom bow equipment stuff, but yeah, it was, a, uh, it was, a uh, first come first serve. I mean, Joe only built so many sites each year and when he ran out, he was out, you know, now obviously that's not the way it is today. If you want a truckload of them, we'll sell you a truckload of them today, but, uh, it's, uh, it's been a staple around the archery world and it's, uh, I've been a fan even before I worked for CBE in the outdoor group, I shot CBE. That was my side of choice. So yeah, it's, uh, they've been around for a while. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, same with obviously Scott, they've been around for, well, it's funny not to talk years. to you. What's that? 40, 40 years, 40. Yeah. I was just, yep. I was thinking when I first started shooting, um, there was like uh, the Stanislavski kind of a jagged release. There was like a Zenith that was little clunky. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, big ass <laughs> rope uh, on some of those things you could repel off of uh, when I was shooting the hinge. Yeah. And then the Longhorn Pro, I think, or brass version was the first one I got. And uh, with it, I was like, holy cow, this doesn't hurt my, you know what I mean? It was a very smooth um user-friendly. Yeah. I don't want to say ergonomically, it was very comfortable. And that was, so that would have been 20, 20 years ago, 20, yeah, probably 20-ish and change years ago when I shot that Longhorn. So that's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, and everything's improved. We talked about that early on, you know, what's changed. You know, there's a lot of things that are, the mechanics of them are identical, but ergonomically or a little, the fit and finish might be a little bit different, but, uh, some things, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah, def- well, definitely don't don't fix the Longhorn. I'm a fan. Um, well, man, I appreciate you, uh, you know, hopping on, and uh, I'm having flashbacks of the good old days now. Um, but yeah, I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Thanks for letting me talk about uh, just whatever talking about archery, and thank you for. 
thank you for giving us an opportunity to work with you. So, I mean, you've got a, a huge reach and you've got a big customer base and I'm excited to see what we can do together. And uh, I, I appreciate you having me on and, and thanks. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for letting me chat. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. We'll take it easy, man. Have a good day. You too. Thanks, Aaron. Yep. Yeah.